Praise God, everyone. So, right now we're in uh, part three of a certain sermon series that we've kind of had as a youth. And uh, I know some of you guys have kind of come in, and um, this is your first week here, right? So you guys are really being thrown into a, like a certain series that you guys have no idea what is it about or anything like that. Um, and it's something that we've started that uh, is going to kind of lead into camp, and kind of the epitome of it ends in camp. And uh, one of the questions that was asked um, today was regarding what is the purpose of a Christian? And when we talk about the purpose of a Christian, I'm going to kind of um, get in this real quick. We don't have too much time here. I want to bring up Isaiah 43, verse 6. This says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. And we kind of understand that as a Christian, we're created for his glory. Now, that's kind of like a line that we've heard all the time from the pulpits, from, from these pulpits. We've heard that, that we're created ultimately for his glory and his glory alone. But a lot of times, like you guys know, right, we use these lines and then these lines have no meaning in our lives because they're sort of overused. They're on replay, right? And so these Christianese that we call them, we kind of like say, for his glory, for his glory, for his glory, and then we don't even understand what's for his glory. So when Isaiah writes about here, he says, I was created for the glory of God. Genesis, God writes through the author in Genesis, he says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So we understand that we are the image of God. Now, I'm going to ask you real quick, what is the point of an image? And like, it's going to sound kind of weird, but the point of an image is to image, it's to reflect something, to show something, in fact, about the author who created the image. So we understand that as an, as an image of God, we have a certain reflection that we show. We show to a lot of people. We show to the world around us. And what is that particular image that we show? We as Christians who have been bought by the precious blood of Christ, for those of us that are here and that have gave our lives to Christ and said, you know what, I'm done living this life for myself and I'm going to sell myself out for God because I think that that life is more important, weighs more than the life that I try to live right now. And I'm sick and tired of going through the motions right now. As the first guy was saying here, I'm sick and tired of trying to please my own flesh because when I try to please it, the next day I'm down twice lower than I was before. And every time I go through that cycle, I think, hey, this is going to make me happy. And then I fall two times lower than I was the night before. And you run through that cycle and you realize, hey, something's not right. Something about this life is not worth it at all. It's not pleasing to me. It actually doesn't satisfy my flesh at all. It, it's really appetizing in the moment. But in fact, once you go through the motions, I guarantee you, all of you guys can attest to that, that you can turn around and say, hey, man, that was not worth it. But there's a problem because there's a certain struggle that we deal with that it almost seems like from, from a natural rationale, it's like, man, then why would you do that? Why would I turn around 
And why would I go and why would I vape again? Why would I turn around and go back into pornography? If I understand that that's not worth it at all, that the only thing that that brings is, 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 is an element of destruction. And I understand too, because the people up here have been telling me, the Bible has been telling me that the more I am in destruction, the further I go, the harder it is to, go, to come back. So the, natural, the, the rational mind would say, well, why do you keep going on there? Why do you keep turning around and going back to it? But we have this problem called sin in our hearts that we understand, right? And it's something that's so strong, and it tugs at our hearts. This sin nature that's inside of us, Paul writes, if you ever read, um, if you're kind of like a newborn Christian, not even a newborn Christian, honestly, I've been reading this book every other month or something, and I've been a Christian for a while. Because this book is so amazing. Romans, start with Romans and, and go with chapter 1 all the way down to the end and read what Paul writes. Because Paul finds himself in a similar situation in which he says, man, I have the desire to live for Christ, but I can't. He says, my mind is in the right place. I understand all the theology behind it, but for some reason I have no strength within me to follow the same principles. Why is that? He says, with my mind, I serve Christ. With my flesh, I serve the flesh. And we run into this problem where it's like, man, I come here kind of like Monday in, Monday out, and I hear the gospel message being presented, and it's almost ineffective because I walk out of those doors and I continue to live the very same exact life. And so we ask the question, a lot of times we, come, we become depressed. And we don't understand, we're like, man, what is this Christianity for? Because I'm sick and tired of going to church. I'm sick and tired of singing these songs. I'm sick and tired of faking this Christianity that doesn't work in my life. Why am I doing this? And most of you, I bet you are at a point of that in your life. And I'm not exaggerating because I was in that seat too. And for the longest period of my life, I was in that seat too, and nobody could tell. That's how I know that I could, I could have kept a straight face over there and none of y'all would have known. Because we live, in a, we live in a culture that's very attractive to the flesh, extremely attractive. There's a lot of things bugging at your attention, trying to grab you. Every Sunday, if you have an iPhone, you get this notification that says your screen time, if you let it. I don't know if there's an option to stop it, but um, you get a notification that says, hey, you spent this much time on your phone. It was either up from last week or down from last week. I'm not going to share how many hours I have, but the point is there's a lot of hours in a day that go on that screen. There's a lot of things that are attracting your attention. Every time you flip down on the Instagram scroll or on the Snapchat onto the right, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things that are trying to get your attention, trying to fight for the space in your mind and ultimately get down to your heart. But I want to introduce to you a guy named Jesus. Not the Jesus that just died 2,000 years ago and remained dead. Not the Jesus that just died 2,000 years ago that I just read stories about. Not the Jesus that died 2,000 years ago and that you just see a cross about and you remember him twice a year when he was born and when he died. I want to talk about the Jesus that's an active part of your Christianity. 
I want to talk about a Jesus that revives the dead soul of man, that takes the bondages of man, rips them apart, and sets you free. I want to talk about the Jesus that sends you faith into your life, that activates grace. What is grace? It's the favor of God. What is the favor of God? It's, it's the ability of God to say, I give freedom to you. I give you this in your life when you need it. It's the ability of God to say, you don't deserve it. You have not earned it. In fact, you've unearned it. You don't deserve any of this, but I'm still going to send it to you. Why? Because you're letting me. Because when you express faith, you let God be God in your life. That is the point of faith. It opens up your heart towards allowing God to be God in your life. When God created man, what did he say to man? He told, he looked at man, he said, that's good. Why did God say that's good to man? What is there good in me? What is there good in any of you guys? Nothing. But when he created Adam, what did he see? He saw himself. And that's why God was able to say, that's good. You have a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill. And when God fills that hole in your life, when Christ becomes the object of your faith, when you're looking at Christ continually, day in, day out, the grace of God flows in your life, and all of a sudden, you start feeling different. The very bondages start breaking apart. You become a new man little by little. I'm not telling you you're going to walk out these doors and all of a sudden you're going to be drastically completely different. No, for some people that's the story. For most people, it's a treacherous journey of faith where it's like, man, I've repented to God, but then I've fallen again. I want to tell you that you need to get back up and set your eyes back on Christ because the journey of Christianity is not a one-time repentance. It's not a, hey, come to the altar call and you're good to go and walk out. It's a, hey, I need to repent to Christ right now. I need to say, Jesus, I got nothing. I can't win this battle. I'm defeated. And then as soon as that urge comes again, you walk right back to the altar and you bow your knees and say, Christ, take over. Christ, come in. And so you move yourself out of the problem and he comes into the problem. Because Christ is the only one that's going to get the glory in your life. What is the purpose for your life? Ultimately, for him to get glory. How does he get glory in your life? He gets glory in your life when he works in your life. How does he work in your life when you get out of the way? That's how Christ works in your life. That's how the Holy Spirit works in your life. When you say, listen, God, I've tried everything in my power. I can't. You bow yourself out of the problem and you let Christ enter in every single time. Not once a year. Daily, when you wake up in the morning, you say, Jesus, take over for me because I can't. When that sin problem comes creeping in, you say, Jesus, I can't, but you can. And in that way, every single day, you go from moment to moment, you walk in this what we call a victorious lifestyle, and Christ becomes active in your life. Christ becomes so real, and it turns from a boring Christianity that makes you show up to TBS or VBS into a man, I want to live for Christ every single day. I want to live for Christ. There is nothing better. There is no sin that's going to pull me out and that's going to seek my attention and that's going to grab me, win me, grab a hold of me and, and put me into bonds because Christ, I've tasted. I've seen how good he is. And so those bonds that have been pulling you, those chains that have been at you, they drop 
Not because you've done something. Not because you've read your Bible super hard. Not because you fasted super hard. Not because you were on your knees super hard. But because you've let Christ work on your behalf. And that is the essence of Christianity. That when God looks into your heart, he becomes pleased. Why? Because not you, you were so good. It's because he sees his son in your heart. God in all of his fullness resides in your heart. Apostle Paul says, don't you know that Christ is within you? Isaiah is going to say that the very treasures are found in you. How is the whole kingdom found in your heart? How is that possible? I don't know. I'm not the guy to explain that to you. But everything that, man, you read through Romans, read through Corinthians of everything that's found in Christ, what you have in Christ, what his death, what his resurrection means. That's all found in your heart. It's not found in you. It's found in your heart where Christ resides. And so every time you, you surrender, every time you say, Jesus, I, can, but you, I can't, but you can, the Holy Spirit starts working within you. And that's the only encouraging thing about Christianity is that it's all God and nothing about you. And so as you guys walk in this Christian lifestyle, I want you guys to keep thinking of that. Man, when I fall, I got to get back up. And I got to say, Jesus, take over. It's not no Jesus take the wheel, it's Jesus take the whole car. I'm just going to sit here in the passenger seat, you take the whole car. I don't want to get behind the wheel anymore. Because when I get behind the wheel, I take a wrong left turn and it goes off the cliff every time. And it's going to take years for us to kind of understand, man, this Christianity, it's, it's not easy. But it's so satisfying when Christ works in you. It's so satisfying because, man, I have this rest in my heart. Let me tell you something, this last thing before we're going to go to prayer real quick. So much about Christianity is being busy. And as we grow in, in, in kind of in youth and we kind of, you know, just kind of right now, a lot of us, we're kind of just sitting and we're watching people. And you'll be able to notice this. A lot of Christianity is just busyness. It's working for God. But it's not God working through you. And the result of that Christianity is a very tired Christian. Is a Christian that spends all his time on the worship team. Is a Christian that goes to all the prayer meetings. And yet can't find that rest that Paul talks about. Why? He seems to be checking all the check marks, but he's so far from being satisfied. He's so far from finding rest. I want you to understand that the rest that Christ gives is when he enters into your heart and starts working. And then those prayer meetings that you go to, and then those worship practices that you go to become Christ working through you. Your hands, your feet become Christ's hands, Christ's feet. And you become the visible expression of an invisible God. And that's the only Christianity that's worth living. Because any other Christianity, you can go find that in Mormonism, Catholicism, Orthodox. You can go into another religion if you want. But the Christianity that we live in is an active God, is a living, breathing Christ in you that is telling you where to go, that is telling you what to say, that is actively changing your desires into his desires. 
That is the Christianity I want to live in. That is the Christianity I try to surrender every day in my life to because that is the only Christianity worth living. And that's fun. That's exuberant. Because I wake up in the morning knowing that I'm not enough. I wake up in the morning knowing that I can't be successful this morning for God. But I also wake up this morning understanding that I don't have to. Because my job is to surrender to Christ every single day. And when I surrender, he gets in. And when he gets in, his work gets done 100% of the time. He leads you in the right directions. You meet the right people. You become friends with the right people. You have a good influence on certain people. The classmates you're with start learning the gospel. Because it is the activity of God in you now. Not you showing up to church and checking off certain check boxes. And that's what I want to leave you guys with, is man, seek that God that is active. Seek that Christianity that is vibrant. The one in which you allow God to be God fully in your life. Go into Genesis chapter 127 when he looks at men and he says, man, I am pleased with, the, with, with this man. Because he sees himself in that man. That is the only way you can please God is when, when he sees his son in your heart. So as we stand up and pray, I want that, that prayer to be a prayer of God. I give up. And I want you guys to take that home with you for the next week or two. We can stand up. Take that home with you and allow that to kind of soak in into your minds. Read scripture and scripture will align with that. And allow God to work in through you. Surrender where you have to. Where there is sin, bow down to him and say, God, I can't, but you can. Jesus, we thank you. We glorify your name, Jesus, because you are almighty. Jesus, you are the sovereign God. There's nothing greater than you, Jesus. And we hold on to the promises that you said, Lord, that when we place our faith and our trust in you, Father, that you work on our behalf. I thank you, Jesus, for the very Christ, for the cross of Christ that you were on, Jesus. The, the Calvary, Lord, that I can look up to every single day. The precious blood that you poured out, and I know that that is sufficient enough for me. I know that I will fall tomorrow, but I know that where sin reigns, grace reigns even more. And that's the only promise that I hold on to, is that I know that I will fall, but I know that you are sufficient, that you are enough. And I place all of my trust and I place all of my faith in that. Jesus, lead us that we will learn to live by your gospel. That no other, nothing would tie us, nothing would, would grab our attention into anything else. No other teachings, Father, no things of the world would grab from those truths. That you were the core, that you were the center of everything. That you were the very breath that we breathe. We thank you, Father, because you are so good. You are so good, Jesus. You brought us out of Egypt. And into the promised land, Jesus, where we can live fruitfully as Christians. We thank you so much, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.